Welcome to Gathering Gold. This is Cheryl Paul. And I'm Victoria Russell. We are recording this the day before the winter solstice. So we're going to talk about winter today and all of the richness and paradox in the season of winter. We actually put out a question um, on Instagram asking what thoughts and feelings and struggles and gold comes up for people when they think about winter and anticipate this season. And some of the words that came up a lot were struggle, darkness, low energy, depression, but also rest, relief, peace, slowing down, and joy. The physical season of winter can be really different for people depending on where they live. Some people don't really experience winter at all. Where they live is very mild and warm all year round. And some people experience really brutally cold and dark winters. But all of us experience some inner winters from time to time, seasons where things feel more dark, maybe more slow or more fallow. And so we wanted to talk about, for those of us who are heading into the physical season of winter, or maybe more of an inner winter, how we prepare for that and how we might meet some of the opportunities within that. We know that our ancestors had to prepare for winter very seriously. They had to make sure they had food and shelter and darkness would have been a much different story without electricity. Mm-hmm. Many of us, if you're listening to this podcast, our preparations for winter might look more like getting snow tires and getting salt for the driveway, maybe maybe getting a, a therapy lamp for seasonal affective disorder. So the preparation isn't quite as intense and serious, but we still have to prepare and winter still carries some real threats. We have to deal with ice and treacherous driving conditions and really cold weather, sometimes really bad storms and just the toll that the darkness and the cold can take on our our physical and our mental health. We fear the dark and the cold and the stillness and the quiet. And we fear what might lurk in the dark, what might arise in the silence. We fear atrophy and loss of momentum. And we fear the discomfort or even the pain of the cold. And we fear the gray and the drudgery and the sameness of winter. But it really is a rich season. And Cheryl, you said to me before we started that there are subtle variations in winter even in that grayness, there is astounding beauty in winter. And especially for the most sensitive and creative among us, I think there's a lot of richness in winter. And for those who tend towards the introverted side of the spectrum, there, there can be a lot of relief in winter. So Cheryl, I would just love to hear more from you about what is going on on a deeper level when winter comes and how can we kind of prepare ourselves and meet some of the gold that's within winter? Mm. The first thing I want to say is that I 
have a love-hate relationship with winter, and it is not my favorite season. I struggle with it, especially come February. I think I've mentioned that before. And I am interested in my struggle because I'm always interested in my growing edges, but there is a part of winter and there are days of winter that I do not like that just kind of suck. (laughs) (laughs) And, And I want to say that up front that for everybody who responded on Instagram with some version of dread, cold, depression, I hate it. Um, I am with you. There are those days for me. Um, I wouldn't say it lasts a whole day. I would say there there are moments and there's sort of a, a layer in my soul that um, that just really does not like this season. And but it's not across the board. It's not categorical. There are, there are days of such exquisite beauty when I think I could never live without winter. I could never live in a place without four seasons ever again, like where I grew up. Um, but then there are, those, there are those times when it's just endless or when it gets scary. I don't like driving in ice and snow. Mm-hmm. I get really scared. I don't feel safe. I'm not one of those people that just goes driving out in any condition and doesn't think twice about it. I think twice and three times and four times. Mm-hmm. And if at all possible, I get my husband to <laughs> do the driving mm-hmm. on those days. Um, and so there is that piece of it that I want to start with before going into the underlayers and the invitations and the gold, the potential for gathering gold in this season, which I think is tremendous um, and perhaps is not even separate from the struggle. Mm. Yes. In this episode, we're going to be talking a lot about that gold that we can gather and some of the the invitations and the opportunities and even the beauty, which is also there. But I think it is so important to name that the struggle is real. (laughs) Even the danger is real. Mm. As much as I love some of the beauty of winter, there are plenty of days when I just feel like this is really depressing. So it's both (laughs) and, which is also what we'll be talking about a lot in this episode, is that both and and that paradox. And I think just naming the real material, physical, mental Mm. struggle of winter is important. So thank you for naming that and also for being honest and real with us about your mm. <laughs> your feelings about winter and your experience of winter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, and we have been really sinking our souls into this topic, haven't we, Victoria? It's 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 so rich. There's so much here. And that question is such a good one. What is what is going on? underground, what is going on under the surface. So both literally, the ground is resting. The seeds 
have not been planted yet. It's the fallow time. It's the quiet time. And we, as humans, also feel that. If we slow down, there is this invitation to slow down so that we can gather the gold. But as always, we can't gather gold when we are moving at breakneck speed, when we are swirled up in the glitter of the holidays. Our culture does a really great job of providing distraction in the month of December, but then everything stops January 1st. We have these months and months and months of more darkness, less distraction. There's less distraction visually. We look outside and we see trees without leaves, bare, scraggly branches against a night sky, against a blue sky. There's less distraction because we tend to be more inward during these months. It's not as easy to go outside. It's not as easy to socialize past this month of December where it's, it's all about distraction and, and socializing, at least in normal times. Um, it is a liminal season. It is the quintessential liminal season. There's, there's an in-between quality to winter. Right. Autumn is over. Spring is not yet. The new birth is coming. We know spring will come, but we have these months and months of in-between time. And as always, the liminal stage can feel unsettling. It brings up groundlessness. We don't have our regular footholds, our regular distractions. It can feel like emptiness. But it's also during liminal times that we have access to the greatest potential for growth. We can be intentional about the invitation of this time while also recognizing that it is not easy for most people to slow down and turn inward. And so that can sound scary. Oh my gosh. Oh, what's going to find me? What am I going to learn when I slow down? When I step into the energy of this season, whether the literal season or the metaphoric season, a season of wintering, a fallowness, what am I going to find? And what I know from guiding so many people through their inner landscapes and their dark night of the soul is that what you find is your own inner light. What you find is the candle, the eternal flame that is your soul that never dims. And I think in some way may be easier to contact during this time.
So we keep coming up against the paradoxes of winter, right? There's this great invitation for stillness and silence. And then there's also an invitation to push ourselves outside of our comfort zone. There's this invitation to to be in this gray place, the endless days of gray. And then there are these times when, especially if you live where it snows, where the landscape takes your breath away. It is so stunningly beautiful. So it's, it's this season of contrasts. It's this season of paradoxes. It's this season of inviting us into a more feminine part of ourselves, archetypal feminine that we all have. And the feminine has two sides. So when I think about the feminine, these words come to mind. Dark round, quiet, silence, moon, stillness, waiting, pregnant, paradox, slow, inward, interior, Introverted, soft, cat, rest. And it occurs to me that these are basically all of the qualities that our culture finds disdainful. So I have to wonder... And many people before me have wondered, is part of our resistance to winter a fear of the feminine, a fear of slowing down, a fear of the parts of ourselves as highly sensitive people that we've learned to disdain in a culture that reveres extroversion and the masculine qualities of doing, achieving, moving quickly. And then I think about the other side of the feminine because the feminine is creator and destroyer. So the other side of the feminine are those winter storms, the ice storms, the icy roads, that element of danger, death. And we must contend with her too. We must contend with her in the outer world and also inwardly. So it makes sense that we have some dread of winter and have some love-hate relationship with winter. I've been thinking about how in the Christmas story, there's so much night and the feminine, you know, Mary... Mm. Mary bringing God into the world. Yes. And there's that image of Mary and her baby in the stable at night and the the star above them mm. leading the wise men. 
to them. Yes. And there's the songs, Oh, Holy Night, Silent Night. Mm. There's that invitation even, you know, within all of the hustle and bustle. <laughs> mm-hmm. And when you really think about Mary giving birth, there's also the everything that comes along with that. If you really, really pictured what that would what what that mm. was like, right? Mm. Not necessarily mm. silent and peaceful. <laughs> <laughs> no. So it just got me, yeah, it got me thinking about how even that, e- even even the Christmas season, which so many of us now associate with just rampant consumerism mm-hmm. and and busyness and distraction and lots of socializing and lots of noise and it can be so overwhelming. Mm. But I love when I can tap into a quiet moment in the Christmas season and that's really been on my mind mm. this week. Yes. It's so beautiful to bring in that image of the feminine, of Mary, of the birth and the womb and the light, that star, that bright star leading the way, leading the wise, the wise men. Um, And it brings to mind what I hope to impart for those who struggle with winter, because for those who love winter, hallelujah. (laughs) That's fantastic. Um, But this is more for those who struggle, that we can bring some context, some guidance, some light to this dark and gray time of year. And what comes to mind is that 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 sense that there is so much light, even in the darkness, it's so hard to see it when you're in darkness. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about this past week how, how light always follows darkness, spring always comes after winter. There has never been a year on this planet that spring has not followed winter. So the renewal, the new birth will always come. That's a good lifeline to hold on to. And we don't only want to be living for what comes next because that makes the days and the months very long. I think that there is also, there's also light in the darkness, right? This phrase that I keep coming across of luminous darkness that the light is even more luminous when juxtaposed to darkness, right? The stars and the moon are brighter somehow this time of year. The candles that you and I are both looking at right now, Victoria, would be diffused if we were recording this in summer at this time of day. Right, it's 620 here in Colorado. It would be like sunshine <laughs> outside in summer right now. The candle wouldn't show up. So the light shows up greater in the darkness. And I think if winter is a hard season for you, to know that there is potential to experience light, even in this dark time. I'm thinking even more globally now, right? We are in a darker time on our planet, right? There's a lot of hopelessness right now. 
right? The pandemic keeps going on and on and on and these variants and travel plans being canceled and all kinds of things being canceled. And more and more people that we know getting COVID. Um, and so we are, we are still living with this level of anxiety that is wearing us down and feels heavy and feels dark. And yet I am somebody who lives in a great deal of hope and for whatever reason, orients toward that fairly easily. Yes, the anxiety can come in, but I deeply trust that we are always evolving towards, towards more light, towards more consciousness, and consciousness is light, and that what we are in right now is part of it. So that's the big macrocosm, and then we come down a layer into winter, the season that we are entering into, and then we come down even another layer into day by day, right? And that microcosm of night, what happens each night when the darkness comes. And then we come into those layers of metaphor, the, the inner wintering, like you spoke of, Victoria. Hmm. You know, Cheryl, I think that there are many ways that we are similar, but I think there are some big ways that we are different. <laughs> <laughs> I think you know where I'm probably going. I, I think so. Which is that I tend to have a much harder time with living in hope. And mm -hmm. I tend to orient more towards that fear that you're describing or towards like more of that, that low place or that de depression place. And mm -hmm. I think something that was so interesting was in – in winter of 2021, because I was working remotely because of COVID, I was much more in tune with the seasons and had a little bit more freedom with my schedule where I was getting outside more. Mm. And I've learned a lot about how to prepare for the cold from my boyfriend, Martin, who loves ice climbing and things <laughs> like that. <laughs> I have rain odds. Like I lose, that's when you lose circulation so quickly in your fingers and toes. So mm. just as I am a very sensitive person, very prone to anxiety, very easily overstimulated, mm -hmm. when it comes to facing the literal cold, I have such a low tolerance. Mm -hmm. But Martin taught me how to layer and um, taught me about the importance of like having a pair of boots that don't have water leaking in all the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I use hand warmers and toe warmers. Like I really prepare myself. But once I do, I can go out into the cold. Mm. Or I've learned to do an activity where I generate my own heat in my body. Mm. So... Last year, I went cross-country skiing for the first time at a, a little mm -hmm. county park. And it was this was not like an expensive ski trip. This was going to my county park and I think paying $20, $25 to rent mm -hmm. these cross-country skis and then go into the woods. And I was scared and nervous and embarrassed because I've 
I'm clumsy, but I also experienced so much beauty in the woods that day Mm. that it's one of my favorite memories. And there were other days that Martin and I went for a hike when we played, played in the snow, like snow angels, sledding, snowball fight, all of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was beautiful and fun. And I, I think for me, I have the brain that hears like, oh, winter is about stillness and rest and reflection. And my brain goes to, okay, so I have to sit in my room mm-hmm. and sit completely undistracted with my thoughts and in total silence, I should be able to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or that hears that and goes, man, how is that different from when I'm experiencing depression? Like that just sounds like depression. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I think for me, learning how to prepare myself to meet the cold and and not to be so far out of my window of tolerance that I have to run back inside and I can't yes. face it. Or my fingers are going to fall off. And learning how I could play and how I could discover Hmm. and then come back inside when it's time um, was so important Hmm. and then allowed me to experience the rest and the reflection Mm -hmm. in a much more nourishing way where it feels more like I think I mentioned this in a previous episode, but it feels more like adding good things as opposed to constantly feeling like I should be stripping more away. Yes. Yes. It's so important what you're saying. And there's so much, so much in there. This is why I see this time, winter, as this season of contrasts, because if we only spend three months being, we will grow very stagnant, right? We can't just sit and crochet and journal and drink tea for three months. Well, first of all, that's not the world we live in. We still have to get up (laughs) and work and take our kids to school and do all of our normal things. Um, But there's this real invitation to, like you said, meet the cold. How do I meet the cold? So for you, it's about preparing. And I think for everybody on some level, we have to prepare outwardly. We have to have the right clothes and equipment to meet the cold. And it's more effortful. We we can't just run out barefoot in a tank top and shorts. Yep. And be outdoors and be giddy in summer. That's not what winter's about. There's there's a rigor, there's a grit um, that is required, that is very good for the highly sensitive person mm. who tends toward comfort and the comfort zone. And I'm very much like this. It takes a lot for me to get outdoors in winter. I yes. don't like the cold. And I grew up in Los Angeles. So it's, this is still way outside (laughs) my comfort zone and my realm of familiarity. And if I give in to that part of me that wants to not take a walk because it's too cold, that wants to not take a hike because it's too snowy, um, 
I will feel stagnant and I will feel some level of depression. Um, and not in a healthy way, because I talk in the wisdom of anxiety about healthy depression, about a healthy inwardness that can happen. What comes up must go down. And so the high of summer and even fall, there isn't a, a, a healthy coming down from that, that we have to let ourselves experience. But if we come down too much and for too long, we move into stagnancy and that's not good for any brain or body or soul. And so winter asks us, invites us, drags us sometimes to, to step into that place of, of grit and rigor and effort. And when we do, we are rewarded because like you're saying, then, then we're in that realm of contrasts. Then we go outside and we play in the snow or in the cold if there's no snow and we experience we are in the, our natural environment and we get really cold, but it's manageable because we've prepared. And then we come back inside and we're so grateful that we have warm houses and hot tea and hot chocolate and blankets and maybe even a fireplace. And and there's this um, aliveness that comes from the contrasts that can only happen through the effort, through pushing ourselves out of that stagnancy of the comfort zone. But again, it doesn't happen easily, right? It's not an easy season. And there's something to that that reminds us that when we put effort in, we grow. Hmm. Yes. If I could just live in a little warm nest mm. all the time. <laughs> and and COVID has made this so much harder. Like I can't even Christ. put into words how many steps back I've taken in, in my ability to put myself out there to get out into the world. Mm. I think in some ways it has made me that much more intentional about how I relate to the outdoors because that is safer during COVID to do mm. things outside. Mm. But it is hard. And I and I don't have a good tolerance for the cold. So <laughs> it's mm-hmm. not it's not easy. But yes, like you're saying, there's so much richness and even just taking a walk around my neighborhood. I have this memory from a couple of years ago when I was living with my parents still and we were getting a lot of snow one day. We were going to get like two feet of snow or something. And I decided to go for a walk through the neighborhood like as the snow was coming down. So we Mm. had a couple of inches. And this is still a memory that is so alive to me Hmm. of just the quiet. Like there's nothing like that hush when the snow is coming down. Nothing. And even the way that there are fewer colors, but when you do see like a red berry on a bush that's Hmm. encased in ice, it's just gorgeous. Yes. 
And like you said, then when we come inside, there's something so beautiful about the things that we can make in winter, the Mm. creativity. It can be so small, just like, I want to try this spice in a recipe that I've never Mm. tried before. Mm -hmm. Or I did some collaging last winter and I sent little winter collages to some friends and I Mm. do some crocheting and working with my hands is really calming for my anxiety. And I think the stories, like what better time to sit by the fire? Maybe it's Maybe it's a real fire. I I don't have a fireplace in this home, but <laughs> um, but to sit inside and dive into some myths and folklore, or even just bringing some of that intentionality even to watching Netflix, like watching an episode of a show that I love on Netflix, and then when it's over, actually taking some time to write about it. Like just to reflect Mm -hmm. on the themes or the characters or questions or feelings that came up for me Mm -hmm. from that story. Mm -hmm. So, yes, I think there's just so much richness as well that we can we can generate that heat of creativity and discovery inside as well. Yes, there are a few things I want to underscore in what you just said. One is. There's that exquisite beauty of the contrasts, the red berry against the white snow. And if you hadn't taken that walk and pushed yourself out of the warm house into the cold winter day as the snow is falling, you would have missed the red berry against the white snow and everything else that is now imprinted into your memory as a beautiful memory and it required that effort it required getting out of the safe little warm nest that I think all highly sensitive people would be just deliciously happy on one level spending the rest of their days in a Mm -hmm. warm nest just turning into mush (laughs) yeah just turning into (laughs) mush just like being a cat on a electric blanket just Mm -hmm. it curled up in a ball Um, and then there is nothing like the quiet of winter and the quiet of snow that when snow falls, if you live in a place where there is snow, you know what that experience is to walk outside in a snow covered yard or snow covered road. And the snow, it changes sound. It quiets everything. And what comes to mind is my son, Asher, our younger son, whose happy place, you know, when you do visualizations and you, you send yourself to your happy place, his happy place is being outside in the snow. And it is also his literal happy place. He loves the snow and for his intensely sensitive nervous system, it makes perfect sense that when he's out in the snow and it's mostly one color, 
There's not all of the visual distraction and overstimulation of summer colors or autumn colors. It's white. It's pure. It's that place of purity that the anxious brain longs for, in some ways strives for, that pure place. Again, that sort of heavenly, that godlike realm. And he will often, when we've had a big snowfall, he will be the first one to put on all those winter clothes and tromp outside and find a spot in the snow and lie down. Mm. He'll just lie down in the snow. And it's like when I watch him, I can see his nervous system calming layers and layers of what it is to be a highly, highly, highly sensitive person in this incredibly overstimulating world that we live in. To be in a place of such deep quiet and stillness. And it's like the deepest breath watching him in this deep quiet. And then what you said about working with your hands. And I had read a passage in Braiding Sweet Sweetgrass where she talks about the science behind working with your hands and calming the brain. And so again, for people, highly sensitive people prone to anxiety, that winter might be a time where you experiment with working with your hands, with if you've always wondered about knitting or crocheting or sewing or working with clay or um, adult coloring books are very big these days and many of my clients have are, love them as a way to, to calm, right? to settle at the end of a day or in the morning or whenever and to work with your hands. So there is this hand-brain connection that we have lost touch with to a great degree because of our screens, that we, we are not as tactile, we don't cook as much, we don't make as much, making our clothes, the things that we, that we used to make, a lot of people don't. And so there is this invitation in winter when there is less distraction. So the slowness and the, the invitation to inwardness is not just about sitting there journaling, right? That is one way of turning inward. But there are so many ways to tap into that place of, of slowness and of sweetness. You know, that can happen this time of year. And then when you mentioned you know, the spice and the recipe, I've been the last few days, the last week or so, I've been obsessed with soup. <laughs> <laughs> and as it turns out, Asher loves soup and I didn't know that. He's 12 and I didn't know that he <laughs> loves soup. 
Um, I guess I haven't made a lot of soup, but it's gotten really cold here and it's just felt right to make soup. And yesterday I made a roasted tomato and red pepper soup pureed and I made an Irish soda bread and it was, it's like, it's like the candle's luminosity is so much more brilliant against the darkness of, of night and winter, the deliciousness of hot soup and a fresh loaf of bread. It tastes better than it would in summer. We, we don't want to eat hot soup in summer. But, you know, things like taking baths and drinking tea and coming in after lying down in the snow, the first thing Asher says is, can you make me hot chocolate? Right? And so there's, again, that, um, I think something very satisfying in the contrasts, the contrasts of, of cold and heat. Mm. We think of summer as the most sensuous season but I think hmm. that in winter, there's also that invitation to you feel the cold on your skin and then you you come inside and you warm yourself however you can and you feel the heat in your body. Like, yes. I feel like there is that invitation to connect with yes. our bodies and with the sensations. And there's always the invitation to slow down and connect with what's happening inside of us, even even when we're in the movement. So when I went cross-country skiing for the first time, or Martin and I did a snowboarding lesson, which was comical, <laughs> absolutely comical to see me no. trying, <laughs> just falling for three and a half hours, <laughs> oh, no. right? And what happens to me is like, I, I just, I don't have a lot of trust in my body and I'm very fearful of getting hurt. And hmm. Martin will be like, just trust your feet. And I'm like, I can't. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, and I notice like what's happening inside of me when I'm trying something new, especially hmm. something that has to do with like my body and my coordination. What's happening inside of me? What feelings are coming up? Is it shame, hmm. humiliation, fear, hmm. irritation, anger? I remember when Martin and I went sledding. He was literally pushing me down this hill on a shovel and <laughs> we went flying at one point and I was like, you know, my my go-to when I get scared is to get, as Brene Brown says, when she gets scared, she gets scary. That's mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. So, of course, like my instinct is to to turn around and just start telling Martin why he was being so unsafe for pushing me so fast and I could have gotten hurt. And I felt... I felt myself slow down in that moment and notice mm. and I just kind of jumped up and I ran and I plopped down in the snow to make a snow angel oh. and I started a snowball fight with him. Even with crocheting, you know, I, the perfectionism comes up Oh, my stitches aren't, aren't perfectly mm. symmetrical or, Maybe I'm I'm doing that collaging and oh like it's not coming out exactly perfect. Mm -hmm. 
And there's the invitation to meet the real experience of what's happening and what's happening inside of me and to slow down and notice it and make a choice about how I want to respond. Mm. Mm. Yes. What I am sitting with in this moment is I'm always looking for the healing potential in whatever topic we're discussing. What is the healing potential? And I think there is great healing potential, especially for highly sensitive, anxious, creative people in this season of winter to look at those places like the perfectionist against the backdrop of less distraction, against even the snow or the cold or the dark, we might be able to see our patterns more clearly. We might be able to bring a little bit more kindness to our patterns. We might be able to look at what is our relationship like to rest? If rest is part of the invitation of this season, what comes up around rest? And of course, we talked a lot about that in our burnout episode. Is there an invitation this time of year to connect to that place of light inside, that place, that childlike place? Here's the contrast and the paradox again, because archetypally winter is the season of the elder. Um, it's not, it's not the spring of youth. It's not adolescence. It's not adulthood. It's, it's elderhood and specifically the feminine crone figure. So there is that element of winter and probably part of our resistance to winter is also our resistance to elderhood to aging, as we talked about in um, the Turning 50 episode. But there is also a childlike quality to this season, I think. Right? We're talking about play. We're talking about playing outside and playing in the snow. And so I think that there's this opportunity to practice trusting and I love, Victoria, that you brought in this place where we're different, that, that I do live in a lot of trust and hope, and that that isn't naturally where you live, um, but that maybe there's an opportunity to practice, to practice faith, to practice trust, to practice um, some place of knowing that you are a child of God that when the darkness comes in, that you are being held by something of luminous light. And that when it becomes, it can become so very tangible, like you're talking about, when the perfectionist shows up in these ways that we might try something new this winter. And that you can see that, that character, that pattern come in and maybe meet it from a different part of you. I love that so much. 
And it reminds me that one of the one of the things that I've read about recently in, in preparing for this episode is uh, in Gaelic mythology, the goddess, I think it's pronounced Kaliak. Hmm. And she is supposed to kind of embody the crone and the mother and the maiden all hmm. in one. And she's hmm. the goddess of winter. Hmm. And she was thought to determine like how long and how harsh it would be, but she also held the the creator inside of her. So what you were saying about that paradox of the different parts of ourselves mm-hmm. and connecting with them. I think it's so interesting that there's that mythology, old mythology that that tapped into that, the wise elder, but also I love that. Yeah. Yes. Of course there is the old mythology would tap into these archetypal places and we can we can tap into that for context for anchoring when we're feeling unmoored during this liminal time this liminal season it's a both and season I mean life is both and but like there's something about winter that highlights that mindset of both and of, of paradox yeah, and I think I think one of the reasons I was really able to kind of fall in love with winter in a new way last year hmm. was also because in being more kind of attuned to the seasons, I I really felt in my bones in a deeper way that each season was going to end and each season was going to return. Hmm. Of course I knew that intellectually, but something happened where I just understood it more deeply. Mm-hmm. And then I enjoyed I felt the sadness. I felt very sad when winter ended hmm. last year because it was so beautiful, but I also knew that it would come again and I knew I would feel the same way about spring and the same way about summer. <laughs> yes. And it's funny because when we talk about that paradox, it's like there's so much preparation for winter. And there's so much we can we can really luxuriate in some ways. Hopefully, I mean, there's also there's shoveling the the, car, the snow off the car, and like things yes. can feel like a lot of work. But yes. there's also you know there's other things that we might take a step back from. But there's always preparation for the next season going on as well. I remember that last winter, my housemate Liz was growing tomato seeds in our basement from, I think, Mm -hmm. February onwards. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there in winter, she was starting to cultivate those seeds. Yes. She wasn't doing the backbreaking work of weeding the garden. and Yes. But there was still that little preparation that was already starting again. Yes. Yes. And it starts in February when you plant indoors, when you start those seeds indoors. Um, and at the very least it starts in March here in Colorado, we plant peas. We plant a lot of those greens and peas in March. Yeah. So yes, it's so good what you're saying, Victoria, because it, it helps us to appreciate exactly where we are so that we're not living for spring, right? That we remember that spring will come. This is finite. And what can we gather? What gold can we gather? in this slower, more interior time. And for me, there is that sense of relief about the garden that as much as I love, love the garden, 
it's also a lot of work and it's a lot of pressure because the work never ends really from March through October. Um, And so to know that I have these next two months, January and February, to not have the garden, it's both. (laughs) It's both a heartache because the garden is such a source of joy and aliveness and connection. And I miss her. I miss, I miss that place that is activated inside of me. And it's also relief. And sometimes I go and I sit in the empty fallow garden. I open up the garden gate and I sit on the soil and I see the raspberry canes cut down and I feel relief that I don't have to deal with the raspberry canes. And I, <laughs> and I see the sprinkler system and I feel relief that, you know, I don't have to go around weeding all around it. I can just be in the fallow with the garden. I can be in that place of, of being, you know, I see that glorious pink rose bush in the corner that always reminds me of my grandmother and and she's still there there's no roses but there's the bush sleeping resting and I've had this sense lately I think since we've been talking about this so much I've had this sense that nature gives us so much in the other three seasons, the exquisiteness and the accessibility of the beauty. It's, it's right there. It's so accessible. Like those spring apple blossoms that just make you want to like sing and take a million photos because, or just sit under them and smell. They're so exquisite. And, and then summer and then the colors in autumn, it takes our breath away. And yes, we have those days in winter that do that exponentially, right? But most of the days aren't like that, at least here. Um, and I've had this sense that maybe nature needs us too mm. this time of year, that it gives and gives and gives and who are we to just forget about the trees and the bushes just because they're not flowering and bloom in exquisite color and beauty for us? That is that the only time that we appreciate nature is when she's in her full glory and bounty. And again, sort of tracking back to our disdain for um, aging if this is the season of the elder, that in some way we also reject even just the physical look of the landscape. Um, and so I've been, I've been going out in this past week and, and touching my apple tree mm. and just being with her in her slender stillness, her branches that are leafless, and I, mean, I know I'm anthropomorphizing my tree, but I wondered this morning as I sat next to her, 
And I put my hand on her bark and I wondered, is she cold? <laughs> she, <laughs> she doesn't have her leaves. She's so stark. No, and not, not that I really think that trees get cold, but but on some level, like, you know, I think so much about reciprocity that this is also our opportunity um, to not forsake nature for our own good, but maybe also for nature's good mm. in some way that we cannot explain. Mm. There's a little town here in New Jersey called French Town. It's a great town. And I remember one winter going there and there were people had knitted sweaters for the trees. There were these <laughs> wool sweaters, not around the whole tree, but like wrapped around parts of the trunk. Oh my gosh. I love it. <laughs> and you know, I actually, I've always felt that one of the most beautiful things about winter is the sky. And even the look of those bare black branches, if you live in a place with deciduous trees that lose their leaves, mm. I think it's beautiful. And the mm. we talked in the summer episode about how hazy the sky can be in summer, mm. how we might not see as clearly in that, with that, yes. all that haze. And in winter, there is this yes. clear, stark, again, the paradox of that can be tough sometimes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the trees are tough. But it's so beautiful, the sunrises and the sunsets in winter against that clear sky. Just tonight, I saw one that just took my breath away. It can be so golden. And the slate is so clean. And on that sky, you can just see the most beautiful, beautiful displays. This element of clear seeing, there is this clarity. In winter. And yes, it's the clarity of less distraction, but also this clarity of um, the visual, literal clarity of being able to see the sky and that sense of spaciousness. And I think it's something that, that we can harness, we can tap into that sense of spaciousness. Um, again, it's not it doesn't feel easy to me. I, I'm going to t I'm going to tee off of you, Victoria, um, that you have always found that sky, the winter sky, and even the black branches beautiful. It's not the first place I would go. Mm. Um, it's not a natural resonance for me. But I'm so interested in growing that, and. I will hold you, right? And and Asher in the snow, and like you mentioned when we talked about this last week, holding holding Everest's joy of turbulence when you're on the airplane, mm -hmm. <laughs> that we can, you know, we can tap into each other's places of joy when it's not a natural place for us, mm -hmm. when it might even bring fear or dread, or loneliness or emptiness. And also even somebody else's loneliness to know mm. that you're not alone in your loneliness if winter is a hard time for you, that it is for me too, right? I am, I am, there's a growing edge for me in this season 
And there's a part of me that um, always wants to leave. There's a big escape hatch that happens for me in winter. And I sometimes make big plans about our future life when our kids are gone and we'll be those snowbirds that that leave mm-hmm. <laughs> for all the winter months. And maybe we will, I don't know. But while we're here, I am so deeply curious about the hard places that come up for me during this season. And so if that is you, I am with you. It is not my easiest season at all, even though there are days that take my breath away. Um, there's, there's a growing edge here for me. So I have a poem that I wrote last year in February. Astonishingly enough, it's called February. <laughs> and it kind of speaks, I think, or what I was trying to capture was a bit of that paradox and that that tension or that give and take between going out and coming in. Mm. So here's the poem. Wood smoke and snow outside, and in here, pink petals drying on the sill, black wicks and soft wax, heat turned up, lights dimmed down, bushy fern in the corner whispering hush. Each day I am lulled, force myself to wake, scrub and carry, fold and dry, cover up with thick sweaters and wool socks to chase a little sun or crunch and skid under clouds round and round the neighborhood. I'm fine as long as I can scrounge a little woods, some field, quiet enough to hear a bird sidle along a branch. There is wilderness in me, too. Feast of tendrils and snaking roots, cold water falling in canopied darkness, and a sky like endless bolts of velvet. Along some fault line they meet, my wanting to burrow, lie low, stay put, and the part that pulls at the bit wanders like a stream, bursts forth at times with the shocking yellow of forsythia. Moonrise and daybreak, the slipping away to be alone and the coming home to be held. The cat who travels through a flap in the door. Where have you been, we ask, and she purrs. For this conversation, Cheryl. I'm going to treasure it all winter. No, oh, me too. Me too. If people want to find more of you and your work online, where should they go? My website is conscious-transitions.com and I'm on Instagram at Wisdom of Anxiety. And you can find me at my other podcast, Perennials, or on Instagram at Perennials Podcast. And if you are enjoying Gathering Gold, please subscribe, 
rate it, leave a review, and share it with a friend. Thank you for listening.